Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Fusion Church, 6 a.m. soap. How are you guys feeling today? You guys ready for this one? We are in 1 Samuel 8. 1 Samuel 8. And um, uh, Israel demands a king. We're going to be reading about that and how the, they they came to Samuel and and they wanted what they wanted, when they wanted, how they wanted. Um, and so let's get into it. We're going to pray. And I'm um, so excited for this one, Lord. Uh, we just praise you, Father, for, for who you are and what you're doing in our lives, Father. I pray that during this brief time that we have together, Lord God, that you would just speak to us, Lord. Open up our minds, open up our hearts to receive a divine word from you, Father. I pray that it'll be your words that are heard in that mind that I would fade to the background, Lord. And it would be just your word that is at the forefront of our minds. So, Father, just continue to speak to us, Lord. Bless us and keep us and be with us during this time. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. All right. First Samuel 8, and I am reading from the New King James Version. Now, it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the sec the name of his second was Abijah, and but they were and they were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah, and said to him, Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now, therefore, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen, and some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties, will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers. He will take the best of the fields, your vin your vineyards and your olive groves, and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. He will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men and your donkeys and put them to work. He will take a tenth of your sheep and you will be his servants. And you will cry out in the day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. 
And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, Heed their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, Every man go to his city. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're seeing Israel again being Israel and being stubborn, right? They wanted what they wanted when they wanted. Um, and they refused to listen to the to the wisdom of Samuel. It says, verse 1, when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. So we know that Samuel was one of the godliest men in the Bible, right? Yet his actions here may have been a sin on his part because um, we never have the pattern of judges being appointed by men. Right. Every judge prior to Samuel was appointed by God. God spoke to them. God imbued them with his power and his wisdom. Um, they never appointed their own judges. And the office of judge was never passed down to sons. So so Samuel was not right here in, in, um, in appointing his sons as judges over Israel. You know, and it's especially wrong because verse three says his sons did not walk in his ways. And this is why he was so wrong to appoint his sons as judges over Israel. You know, Samuel probably could could not look objectively at his sons and he probably excused um, their sins in them because, you know, um, the same sins that he saw in others, he excused it in his sons. And where have we seen this before? Because Samuel witnessed the same thing before. When Samuel was a boy, and he was put under under the the the, the priest Eli, and what was Eli's sons doing? The same thing that Samuel's sons were doing, you know. So Samuel, as godly of a man he was, was absolutely not perfect. He was not perfect. He made the same mistakes as Eli did, you know, all those years prior. You know, and isn't it funny? You know, we see things sometimes and we see bad behaviors modeled and and then we find ourselves doing the exact same thing, right? Samuel was no different. As godly of a man as he was, he still made mistakes. And so we read that the elders of Israel gathered, you know, in verse four, and it, said, and it was wise for the, the elders of Israel to do this. You know, they didn't, you know, they did not have to accept leaders like Samuel's sons uh, who were obviously ungodly and unfit to lead. It's so important to heed the wisdom of elders, right? Whether it's elders in your life, elders in your family, elders in the church, you know, who, who have been around the block a few times, right? And, and they've been appointed as elders, you know, and to, uh, to heed their advice. Now we're going to read that these particular elders, they know, you know, while they did not, they did not uh, want these sons to be judges over them. You know, but their intentions weren't exactly right because they said to Samuel in verse five, "Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations." Right? Listen to that. Make us a king to judge over us like all the nations. Their intentions were wrong because they saw what other kings were doing other nations were doing, right? So while it was wise for the elders of, of Israel to, to reject 
Samuel's sons as leaders, it was wrong for them to say this, you know, because in in and of itself, their desire to have a king was not wrong. All right. Let me let me just say that their desire to have a king was not bad. It was not wrong because God knew that one day Israel would have a king. 400 years prior to this, back when Moses was still around, uh, God gave instructions to Israel about their future king. And you can read about that in Deuteronomy 17, verses 14 through 20, you know, about Israel's king. So uh, a king was in God's plan for Israel. Yet the reason Israel wanted a king was wrong. Because the the reason of of we want to be like all the other nations, that's no good. That, that's that's not a good reason. That's a horrible reason. Right? Because we often get into trouble by wanting to be like the world when we should instead be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Who are you trying to be like? Who are you trying to model yourself after? Because if you're trying to model yourself after uh, people around you, your coworkers, your friends, what the media portrays is what uh, of what you should be going after. If you're going after that kind of stuff and not going after uh, being like Jesus, you are wrong. You are wrong. And you're going to find those decisions are going to get you into trouble. They kept, they said, make us a king. And, and there was a big difference between uh, uh, a king and a judge. Samuel was a judge. He was, you know, he was a prophet. But it's a big difference between them, that type of leadership, and kingly leadership. See, a judge was, was a leader raised up by God, usually to meet a specific need in a time of crisis. And then once that crisis was over, the judge usually went back to doing what he did before. But a king not only held the office as king for as long as he lived, he also passed his throne down to his descendants. Judges did not make a government. They met a specific need, again, in a time of crisis, while kings would establish a standing government with a bureaucracy, which can which could be both a blessing and a curse to, to, to many people, depending on how you look at it. In Judges 8, we read about Gideon. And Gideon was offered the throne of Israel at that time. You know, and if you, and if you were following along, I, I really recommend you, or if you weren't, um, excuse me, um, listening in on the soap at that time, I, I recommend go back to Judges. In Judges 8, around that time of Gideon, you know, and uh, he refused the throne. He said in Judges 8, verse 23, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. And this was the heart of all the judges and why Israel went 400 years in the promised land without a king, right? Israel was not ready for a king. And this thing displeased Samuel, according to verse 6. And no doubt Samuel was, was hurt by his sons being rejected by the people, you know, and more than that, Samuel saw the, 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 the ungodly motive behind this request for a king. So while he was probably hurt that his sons, and he probably was also really coming to the realization that, you know, his, his sons were, they were, they were pieces of work. You know what I'm saying? Like they, 
They were not doing right. But he was more hurt by this ungodly request by the people. You know, it's almost like I've been working. I've been I've been serving you. I've been pointing you towards God. And you are still not looking to him. You know, that's frustrating, right? Because Samuel's old, right? And we know, you know, when we, we were first reading about Samuel last week, that he was a young boy, you know, when he was first brought into under, you know, uh, into leadership when the Lord first spoke to him. So now he's an old man. So it doesn't say exactly how old he is, you know. Let's go ahead and say, you know, 60 years, right? This is just just throw a number out there. You know, 50, 60 years, you know, he was judging Israel. You know, Israel knew who he was. They knew that he was a prophet of the Lord. And here he is at the the, the, the end, at the tail end of his of his life, right? And it's like you guys still don't get it. You guys are still doing the wrong thing. It displeased Samuel. You know, and so, but what did what did Samuel do? What did Samuel do when he was displeased, when he was hurt, he was frustrated? It says he prayed to the Lord. Brothers and sisters, when you are hurt, when you are frustrated, when things, when you're when you you just don't know what to do, if you do anything other than pray to the Lord, you will not get any peace. You will not get any revelation. You will not get the answers that you need to hear, right? Samuel, no matter no matter the level of his frustration, he still went to the Lord, right? Because Samuel, oh man, Samuel, you know, he could have been like, he could have he uh, gone off on the people, right? You know, like, what are you doing? You know, Samuel could have got a little ghetto on the people. But no. He went and he prayed to the Lord. And this was the right, this is the right thing to do whenever we are displeased, whenever we are angry, pray to the Lord. We should never, never carry our troubles with us. Never carry our troubles with us. Instead, we should, we should do what Samuel did. And he prayed to the Lord. And God said in verse 7, heed the voice of the people. He told them to fulfill their request. And this wasn't because uh, their request was good or right, but because God would teach Israel through this, right? We've been reading, you know, from, from, from Egypt till now. It's been about 400 years, right? And then we read, you know, we know they were in 400 years of captivity in Egypt. So for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, God has been trying to teach the people. Right. Sometimes we insist on having something bad. God will allow us to have it. He will allow us to have it, but then he will always teach us through it. In many ways, this is a matter of timing. See, two of the most important things we should be seeking after is God's will and his God's timing. Because you may have a calling to do something. You may have, God may have placed something on your heart and it's God's will for you to do it, but it may not be in God's timing. If we push God's timing and we take God's timing and we put and we, we, we put our timing in front of it, we will mess up. Guaranteed, hands down. It is so important, brothers and sisters, that we wait and we rely on God's timing. 
God knew that Israel would have a king. He already said it back in Deuteronomy, 400 years prior. You're going to have a king. And, 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 and but because he want because Israel demanded a king for for bad and carnally minded reasons, God is going to give them a bad and carnally minded king. Israel will get what they want, and it will they will be hurt because of it. He tells Samuel, they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. God had a purpose in not giving Israel a king up to that point. Listen, God is strategic. There's a reason for everything. Everything, everything, everything there's a reason for. And there's a reason why up to this point, he didn't have a king. There's a reason that once they got into the promised land, he didn't say, all right, okay, all right, you're going to be my king. No, there's a reason for it. It was because he did not want them to put on, put, put, put ungodly trust in a king instead of godly trust in him. He did not want them to put an ungodly trust in the king instead of a godly trust in him. So now Israel rejected God's plan and declared that they did not want the Lord to reign over them. That's what they were saying. This and this goes back to when they first left um, Egypt and they went to Mount Sinai. And God's whole purpose of bringing them there so he could be in communion with his people. And what happened? They saw the thunder or they heard the thunder. They saw the lightning. Right. And they didn't want to be in relationship with God. They didn't want communion with God. They said, Moses, you go. You go. They rejected God. My man just rescued them from Egypt. And, and, and from the, the beginning, you go. You tell us what God has to say to us. Instead of hearing from him himself. And here they're doing the same thing. We don't want God as our king. We want to have our own king. You know, and 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 in the words, they have not re, 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 excuse me, they have not rejected you. We sense that God is comforting Samuel. It's as if God is saying, Samuel, don't take it personally. They're not, they're not, you know, rejecting you, they're rejecting me. It's not about you, Samuel. Verse 8, they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. In fact, Israel forsook God by asking for a king. And when the elders of Israel asked for a king, they thought that better politics or government could meet their needs. Instead of looking to God, they were looking to man to meet their needs. But if they had just been faithful to their king in heaven, they would not need a king on earth. If you remain faithful to our king in heaven, no president, no governor, no mayor, no politician, no any, any leader, any leader from any level will meet your need. All you we need is our king in heaven and to serve him faithfully. Because he is the king over all. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So if you are looking to, you know, listen, we can open up any, any news app, turn on the TV, and we can see what our leaders are doing and the nonsense, the nonsense agendas they're putting forth, right, that directly attack who we are, directly attack our God. 
And if you're looking to them to be a leader, you are wrong because they're going to do nothing but lead you straight to hell. Look to God as our King and as our Lord. You know, and 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 them rejecting God, it seems very unfair because didn't God show them to be worthy of being a king? Didn't he demonstrate his ability to lead the nation? And didn't he did do this over and over and over again over the course of hundreds and hundreds of years? Absolutely, yes. And, and there's a sense in that their rejection of God as their king is prophetic, right? When Jesus stood before, before Pilate, the Jewish mob declared in John 19, 15, we have no king but Caesar. Their actual king was right in front of them. The king of kings was standing in front of them, and they still rejected him. Israel has never accepted God truly as their king. They have always rejected him as their king. Even though he has chosen them continually and still chooses them today. But he tells Samuel, you shall forewarn them. And the sense is that Israel will not change your mind. So Samuel's goal is to simply warn them. Hey, I'm going to give you a heads up. If we go this route, this is what's going to happen. If, if Israel chose this course, God wanted them to make an informed choice. So the Lord told Samuel to show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. I don't want y'all to be surprised. Y'all want a king? Y'all want a king? Cool. Cool. You're going to have your king, but this is what your king's going to do. See, because information creates responsibility. Information creates responsibility. You know, you can't say, I didn't, you know, oh man, I made a mistake. If you had all the information in front of you, nah, you didn't make a mistake. You made a dumb decision. That wasn't a mistake. So in telling Israel this, Samuel did not only help them make an informed choice, he increased their accountability for making the right choice. They could not say, we didn't know. We had no idea. How could this happen? He says in verse 11, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. God wanted Israel to know that there would be problems with having a king. In Israel's view, they had problems that, that, that could only be solved by having a king. And while their problems may have been solved, God wanted them to know a king would also bring other problems. That they should carefully weigh the benefits against the problems of having a king. So he says in verse 11, he will take your sons. Verse 12, he will appoint captains. Verse 13, he will take your daughters. 14, he will take the best of your fields. Verse 15, he will take a tenth of your grain. Verse 16, he will take your male servants. Verse 17, he will take a tenth of your sheep. The Lord gave them forewarning. He gave them, what, six or seven warnings. He will, he will, he will take, he will take, he will appoint, he will take, he will take. Most kings are takers and not givers. And they come to be served, 
not to serve. And if Israel wanted a king, they must realize that he will be a taker and not a giver. And they will be his servants. But not every king is a taking king. Amen. The king of kings is a giving king. Jesus said himself in Matthew uh, 20, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And he says in verse 18, you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen. Israel later would indeed cry out because they wanted a king for unspiritual and ungodly reasons. So God will call this coming king your king. Your king. Not the king that, I, that I've given you. Not the king after my own heart that we're going to read about here, here real soon. Your king. You make it clear that he is the king whom you have chosen. If, if Israel had waited for God's king, there would be no need to cry out. There'd be no need to cry out. If you wait on what the Lord has for you, if you're patient, if you just say, God, I'm, I'm trusting and relying on you and don't make any moves without his clear guidance. There'll be no need later on to cry out, why God, why? But too often we do things under our, our own wisdom, right? Our own guidance, our own advice. And then later on, here we are saying, God, God, how could you have let this happen? Why is this happening to me? Because you made a stupid decision. I don't know if God talks to you like that, but he talks to me like that. And you made a stupid decision. You need to reevaluate your life. But then what did, what did Israel say? After all the warnings, verse after verse, Samuel's warning them, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. And what do they say in verse 19? No, well, we will have a king over us. Stubborn. Stubborn. It was almost as if like Samuel's telling what's going to happen. And they're like, come on, hurry it up, Samuel. Come on, spit it. Okay. Are you done talking? Okay. Where's our king? They didn't even listen to him. They didn't even care because they were so hard-headed and so single-mindedly focused to have a king. They refused to listen to what the actual king was telling what it was telling them to do. God will give Israel their king, Saul. He's going to give them their king. But later, after their king fails, God will give Israel his king in David. And because we suppose that, that God ultimately wanted Israel to become a monarchy, and we already said it back based on Deuteronomy 17, we might even guess that if Israel did not if, if they had not forsaken the Lord here, God would have made David the first human king over Israel. I think it's a pretty good assumption, right? And again, the reasoning behind wanting a king, verse 20, that we may also be like all the nations. And this was never God's goal for Israel. God wanted to make them a special treasure to me above all the people, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, according to Exodus 19, verse 5 and 6. God wanted to make Israel something special, and they wanted to be just like everybody else. That's sad. They were, Israel was willing to settle. Instead of looking to how great they could be if they just followed God, the blessings 
right? That they could have if they just obeyed their creator, if they just followed Yahweh. But they wanted to settle because in their eyes, that's what they needed to do. And that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. They saw the enemies around them. They saw the Philistines and whatever other nations were around them. And they thought, if we had a king like everybody else, our king could lead us to overcome our enemies. And again, for the umpteenth time, they forgot about every other instance where God came through and defeated their enemies. And he had just won, a, uh, God had just won a, sp a spectacular battle for them, you know, and, and, uh, yesterday in 1 Samuel 7. But Israel did not back a king. Oh, excuse me. Israel did not lack a king. They had a king in the Lord God. But what they wanted was the image of a king. See, sometimes it's hard for us when we serve a God that we cannot see. Right? It is. And that's where faith comes in. Israel knew that God was real. They couldn't deny it. But since they couldn't see God, they couldn't see their king. They were like, just give us something we can look at. You know, we want a king. We want a, a king that, uh, you know, the, the image of a king. We, we, want, we want to build him a throne. We want to build him a palace. You know, we want him to get a queen. You know what I'm saying? We want to have, you know, him to have kids so we can follow them on social media and see what they're doing and, and see who they're hooking up with, you know, and all that. We, we want a king. We want a royal family to be above us. And their desire for a king was really the desire, again, for someone who looked like what they thought a king should look like. What they thought a king should look like. Some of you, brothers and sisters, think that you cannot lead in the church, that you cannot lead a connect group, you cannot serve, because you are not what uh, church folk look like. Well, let me tell you all something. Fusion Church, we are full of people who do not look like those who should be um, leading in a church, serving in a church, going to church, because a lot of us have been to churches, right? And if they were to see some of the some of the folks that walk through the doors of, the, of, of our church, they would, their minds would be blown, right? They were like short circuit because God does not care about image. He does not care what you look like. He doesn't care how, how, how you talk. You know, he doesn't care about any of that stuff. He cares about your heart. He cares about your desire to be with him. He cares about your relationship. You know, by all outward appearances, brothers and sisters, I should not be here. Because I would, I would argue you will not find a pastor like me that's not here in Cumberland County. But God chose me. God chose you. Wherever you are, wherever position you are, you're, you're leading in, even if you're just coming to church, and that's okay. God chose you for a reason. And you may be the outcast, right? And where and even though you may you may feel or, or actually be the outcast in some circles in the world, in God's house, your family. In God's house, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. So the Lord said to Samuel, and I'm going to wrap up here in verse 22, you know, heed their voice, make them a king. This is almost funny, right? 
Israel rejected the rule of God, yet they could not escape it because God said, make, you know, give them a king. You know, they couldn't even go out themselves and get a king. They still had to rely on the actual king to allow them to have a king. You know, these, these, man, they, these Israelites, man, they something special. They something special. God will never step off his throne, even if a man asks him to. Yet, if we resist the rule of God, we will find that we do not benefit in the way that we expect. If you defy the Lord, if you resist God, you will only hurt yourself. Israel, once again, defied God, resisted his word, resisted his counsel. And we're going to begin to read in the next few days how it only hurt them. It only brought strife, only brought calamity, brought death. So what is it in your life right now that you're not being obedient in? What area in your life have you not give, given complete and total submission to our King, Jesus Christ? Because that's when we get into trouble, especially when, you know, God, I give you everything. I give you my all. I give you everything. But this little thing right here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep to myself. I'm the king over this. I'm the queen over this. You can have all that stuff. I'm going to keep this. And then this little area that you were, uh, quote, unquote, in control of, that's the area that's going to be your downfall. So my brothers and sisters, as I close, Father, just, excuse me, submit everything to God. Go to Father God and submit everything to him. Proclaim him your king. Proclaim him your Lord in every aspect of, of your life. Because we see when Israel finally submitted completely and they had good kings and they had David, and they had Solomon who followed, even though they were absolutely not perfect kings, but they were both kings that, that sought the Lord, sought his wisdom, sought his guidance. David was a man after his own heart. Samuel was offered anything, anything by God. And what did he ask for? Wisdom to rule God's people. And those were the, yeah, especially during Solomon, the, the most blessed years in all of Israel. If you submit to God and you give him everything, you seek his wisdom, you seek his guidance, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. They will be the most blessed years of your life. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for stories even like this when we read about once again Israel rejecting you, how we can use this to say, Lord, I will not reject you. I will accept you for everything that you are, everything that you want us to be, Lord. So thank you, Father. I pray that as we go about our day, Lord God, that you will bring to remembrance, bring those areas in our life that we need to, to, we need to, to bring under complete and total submission to you, that we need to completely give to you, Lord God, because our desire, Lord, is just to be closer to you, to know you in a more deeper and intimate way. So, Father, we praise you for what you're doing in our lives, and we thank you, Lord, for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen, and amen, and amen. All right, brothers and sisters, I love y'all. 
This was a good one. I'll see you next week. God bless.